0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The book of Romans and the book of uh, Corinthians, and actually uh, what I... uh, going to bring to you tonight here, of course, is in Thessalonians, but you'll see here uh, that we have some connections from Romans because that's where it birthed from in my spirit, uh, from the book of Romans. And uh, <clears throat> I I was starting to put things together Friday and I came home and told my wife, I said, man, I just don't know. I feel like I'm trying to put 10 pounds in a five five pound tin can and I just don't think I'm going to be able to do this in one setting. And so this is, this is probably part one of sermon number one, and uh, we'll go on from there. So if you don't come back next Sunday, you will have left right in the middle of my sermon. And if you're not here and you show up next Sunday, you just walked in in the middle of my sermon. How rude. And uh, amen. And so we're going to go to the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. And, and, And set some things perhaps in order. Amen, I pray in the will of the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter number two, and I want to read verses eight through 12 uh, there this evening. The Bible states these words. Good to see Helen back there. Amen tonight. Amen with all of her accessories, her, her mask and everything. And that is quite okay. We respect that. We know we leave that up to the individual and uh, absolutely respect that among our um, more mature people. See how delicate that was? More mature people. Amen. So 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Telling us what's going to happen in the future. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, With all power and signs and lying wonders. And with, and this is an interesting phrase, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because, everybody say because. Because they received. Please note, he's went from talking about the future now to talking about something that was in the past. This is what will happen. Because something in the past, they received not The love, not for, but of. They receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Everybody say suppress. Suppress. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall, we're back to looking to the future. God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Everybody say exchange. Thank you very much. Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed. We're back looking backwards again. Something in the past. Believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Someone say disobey. It's going to take me maybe a few Sundays. I don't know what's my deal. Coming so long winded. I got to put sermons into several parts. But if you notice a pattern, it was suppressed. Suppressed exchanged and this disobeyed. I'm going to connect this to Romans before we're all said and done. But this all comes and, and, and uh, unfolds, if you will, here in Thessalonians, even in Romans, primarily because truth, because of truth, because truth. And so that is my subject matter to you tonight, because truth, because truth, Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, I love you tonight. God, we're thankful, Lord. God, for the Holy Ghost, Jesus, that we can, Lord, identify and acknowledge, Lord Jesus, in this place. I pray, oh, Lord, this evening that you're able to help me, Lord, as I, God, minister your word. Let it find, God, a place of, Lord, lodging and security within the hearts and lives of those that would hear. Pray, oh God, bless us now in this Lord place. Give us the Lord instruction and direction in this house, and we'll not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated tonight in Jesus' name. Because, because truth. The book of Acts records some of the visits that the Apostle Paul had to the city of Thessalonica. His times there were not unlike many of the other places that he visited. Oftentimes, the Apostle would find and locate a synagogue, many times a Jewish synagogue, to begin to teach and preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection unto them. And if they did not accept, What he was saying many times, he would find a a Greek or a Gentile synagogue or a household to begin to express the very same message unto those people. And we understand then from biblical history that almost six months after the Apostle Paul left Thessalonica, that he wrote his first letter to the church There, the Thessalonians, he wrote first Thessalonians unto them about six months after he left that particular region. The book of Acts tells us and relays that his time spent in Thessalonica was somewhat rushed. Not rushed because he wanted to get out of there. He only had so much to say and get along on his journey. But it was rushed not according to his choosing. Uh, There was an uproar that uh, came about within the region of Thessalonica. People uh, were in turmoil and somewhat upset because of the truth that he was preaching to them, the message that he was conveying to them and his teachings. The Bible says that whenever the apostle Paul left Thessalonica, that there was one that uh, had given ear and one that was in uh, tandem with him concerning this apostolic doctrine and this Jesus name message, uh, whose name was Jason and his house was even under assault as a result of the words and the message that had been spoken there. The Bible then conveys to us, and you can read in 1 Thessalonians, it speaks that Paul then somewhere along the way prior to writing his first letter, had sent unto the Thessalonians uh, a young protege in the gospel to him by the name of Timothy. He sent Timothy to go check on the welfare of the Thessalonian believers. He sent Timothy to confirm their faith. Many of them were new converts, and he he wanted Timothy to confirm their faith and he didn't feel it quite proper and perhaps even safe for he himself to go because when he left uh, he left things in uproar. There was tumult if you will among the city and so he sent somebody that's highly probable unknown to them. Amen. To check on them and Timothy comes back bearing the report and the Bible says in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians that upon hearing Timothy's report about their faithfulness and, and their their, their hardiness in the things of God that Paul writes his first letter to the Thessalonians. And again, uh, this was just the the, the way in which Paul was doing things because of how he left and how things were in an uproar when he left Thessalonians. When he sent his first letter to the Thessalonians, again, most likely it appears as though he sent it by the hand of somebody that was unknown to the Thessalonian church. Again, he's doing this for his own protection. He's doing this for The protection of the believers. Amen. He's trying to erase any trail that could be uh, associated back to himself. Amen. Except for the letters themselves. And so he's trying to be very wise in how he's still disciplining and and discipling uh, these disciples of the Thessalonians. And yet, somehow, some way, according to the word of the Lord, I don't know exactly how it was figured out, but someone figured out the venue, the process that Paul was doing. Send somebody unknown to the people, having his letters, having his messages, checking up upon them. They figured out the venue that Paul was using to still impact the believers at Thessalonica. And it seems like this person or whether it was a group of people that figured this out, they decided to use the Apostle Paul's own ingenuity to their advantage. The Bible, and we'll see it here in just a moment. It comes to be that this group or this person begin to forge letters in the name of Paul and begin to send them to these these churches and send them to the Thessalonians. And they sent them to these believers, these other letters that were not written by Paul but had Paul's name on them. Forged, posed, if you will, as though they were coming from Paul. and so they followed this very same suit they would send people to the Thessalonians that they did not know bearing letters supposedly that come from Paul and they were trying to indoctrinate the people with another message with another gospel, with some other beliefs, because within the contents of these fabricated letters were convincing words that were telling these new believers and followers some of these lies, if I may be so bold to call them that. Some of the things that were written in those letters were basically telling the people that the day of the Lord, second coming of God, had already come. Second coming of God had already come. The Bible says that Paul even bears this fact in his letters in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 2. He writes to them. This is 2 Thessalonians now. After this had already taken place, forged letters to the the Christians of Thessalonica. He says that ye be not soon shaken, he says, in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, look now, nor by letter as from us, In other words, he says, you're receiving letters as though they're from us, but they're not ours. He says, don't be shaken by those things as the day of Christ is at hand or perhaps better interpreted has come as though it has already come. He says, don't be troubled because there's people writing you and forging my name saying that the day of the Lord has already come. The second coming of Christ has already taken place. He said, don't mind those words. Don't mind those letters. Don't mind those people I like what Dr. Uh, Wearsby says. He says the purpose of Bible prophecy is not for us to make a calendar, but for us to build character. A lot of people want to know the timeline of events of the last days, hoping that they can pinpoint a time and a season to give themselves a deadline. Dr. Whispery says it's it's not for the purpose of making a calendar. It's for the purpose of building character. And therefore, the purpose of the lie that was told to the Thessalonians believers is the same purpose of the lies that we often hear today. For them, the lie was the coming of the Lord of the day of the Lord has already come. The lies that we hear today is such like this. The day of the Lord is not going to come. They told them it already came, but what we're hearing in our hour is that it's not going to come. They've been talking about that. The church has been talking about that for generations. Grandparents and great grandparents have been talking about, the Lord's going to come back. You better get ready. The Lord's going to come back. And what we live with right now is a church and oftentimes a society that's been callous to the idea and the fact that the truth of God coming back is just as true as it's ever been. Don't be caught up in the lies. Don't be caught up in, if you will, the verb. That says that the Lord is not coming back. Someone say amen. There's a purpose in those lies just as they were to the Thessalonians. This false information that comes, it doesn't come for the sake of us canceling or altering some event on our calendar called the rapture of the church or if you will even the second coming of the Lord. No, this type of lie, the purpose behind the lie to the Thessalonians and the purpose behind the lie amen to the church today is this. They want to, if they can, discourage any type of change that truth may have influence in our lives they want to somehow cause people and at times even the church to neglect building the character in their lives for the Thessalonians if Christ had already come there's no need for me to live any differently than the way that I'm living for us if he's not coming there's no need to live any differently than the way that I'm living Oh yes! Lord someone say amen They want you to think that he's not coming back for a church that's made herself ready. He want, they want to make you think he's not coming back for a church that's without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. No, 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 no. Because if you don't think he's coming, then you will not live life pleasing to him. You will not live life under the auspice of his pleasure and his desire. You'll stop building character someone say amen because if there's no rapture of the church and there's no second coming of Christ then there's no need to live any differently than the nature that we've been born into but God did not come down in the virtue of a man Christ Jesus and die and bleed on the cross for the sake of a second birth if our first birth was good enough someone say amen when Paul first wrote to them about the rapture, and he did in the first letter, he told them, he says, here is the proper response. You can read 1 Thessalonians. He says, here is the proper response that you need to have, having the rapture in view as something that's going to take place and happen. He says, you need to live your lives, you need to live them pleasing to God. In that first chapter of Thessalonians, Paul tells them about being holy, about being pure, about being loving unto all of mankind. Amen. And consequently, if I may tonight, folks, both the rapture and the day of the Lord, amen, brings another thing into focus concerning the end times. And that is this, the judgment and the terror of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah! Whenever we start talking about end times and rapture and the second coming of God, we must also talk about judgment. We must also talk about the terror of the Lord. The apostle Paul spoke to the church at Corinth. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. He said, we persuade men because we know what is still yet in the distance to come. He said, we are persuading men and we are trying to control them, if you will, convince them that they need to live a life that is pleasing unto unto God someone say glory Glory. with these things in mind Paul writes the second letter to the Thessalonians and he affirms in his writing that it was indeed he tells them because of all these forgeries you can read the last few verses of Second Thessalonians he says it's indeed my own hand that has penned these words doing that with purpose he wants them to know this is not a forgery this is this is this is my own hand that you are reading upon the pages of these letters and in his letter of second thessalonians he is attempting to combat all the falsities that these forgeries amen brought about to these new testament believers he assured them as he wrote to them he says i want to tell you something the day of the lord they say it's come he says but i'm telling you it's not come yet but it will come. It's not come yet, but it will come. And he begins then to set up, if you will, some events for them so that they would know that it was approaching. He says, I'm going to give you some information here. It's not come yet, but it will come. He says, I'm going to give you a little bullet points for you. Before it ever will come, he said, there's going to be some other things take place First, he said, namely, number one, one of the first things that's going to take place is there's going to be a falling away first. He says, so if there's not been a falling away, he says, it's not came yet. He said, because there's going to be a falling away first. Furthermore, he says, before God would ever rapture his church and then come back later and set up his kingdom with his church on the earth. He says that man of sin will be Revealed, He says, but the man of sin cannot be revealed until he that now letteth the church, the spirit that embodies the church, be taken out of the way. What's he talking about? In other words, he said the man of sin can't be revealed until the church gets raptured. He says so. If the church isn't raptured, he said, "The day of the Lord." He said, "It is not coming yet. When He's going to set up His kingdom upon this earth." And so He says, "Note well." He and He's talking about future events. He says, "Note well, believers, that when the day of the Lord comes, He will consume that wicked one. He will consume that son of perdition. He will consume him with all of His workings of Satan." He says, "That man of sin that will be revealed. He'll have all the workings of Satan." I- I don't know how better to explain it to you than this. God as a spirit was manifested in the flesh as Jesus Christ. Amen. The Antichrist, the wicked one, the son of perdition will be a manifestation of Satan himself in many regards and ways. He will have the power and the line and the lying wonders and signs of Satan and the Bible says he's coming with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. The word perish there is literally are perishing. They're already perishing. If you miss the rapture, you're perishing. Amen. 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 There's not a plan B. Right. Right. Amen. You are perishing. He said, He comes with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Here's the problem, folks deceivableness of unrighteousness. You can be deceived by unrighteousness before. The rapture ever takes place. I think it was Bishop Jeff Arnold years ago. He said the problem of deception is this you don't know when you're when it's happening. If you knew when it was happening, then it would have to be called something else besides deception. He says you don't know when it is happening. But Paul is telling us that the wicked one will use the deceivableness of unrighteousness, or if I may, unrighteousness's deception. On them that are already in the process of perishing. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying unrighteousness and the way that you may sometimes or we may sometimes live unrighteous lives can be deceiving in itself unrighteousness in itself can be deceiving. That's what led Samson. I call it the Samson syndrome. That's what led Samson. He's taken by women. He wants to go down to Timnath and find himself a wife, he tells his mom and dad. He gets ensnared by that. She's not She's not an Israelite. She's not a man of his kindred. Amen. But he's going to go down there. And then he gets taken away to the valley of Sherech to find Delilah, another woman. Amen. All of these things, he's doing exploits for God. He's fighting all the enemies. He's got the strength and the power Of his Nazarite vow upon his life, but when it's all said and done, he falls prey to the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Huh. He's being led by lust, he's being led by strange women, he's being led here and there, amen, by his fleshly desires, insomuch that after he's he's bound with new ropes and bound with green uh, uh, twigs and after his head been shaven, the Bible says Samson leaves all of that, shakes himself as he did at other times but wished not that the Spirit of God had departed from him. You know why he didn't know? He was deceived by his own unrighteousness. He's deceived by his own unrighteousness. And it is the ploy of the adversary, not just for the day after the church has been taken away, but before it's ever taken away. He wants us to be deceived by our own righteousness. There's nothing wrong with this. This isn't going to keep me from heaven. This isn't going to trouble me in my walk or journey with God. It's the deception of our own righteousness. It's the deception of our own righteousness. Me holding a little grudge right here isn't gonna hurt anything. Me speaking a harmful word isn't gonna hurt anything. A little gossip just among the family isn't gonna hurt anything. Folks, it is the deceivableness of our own righteousness, unrighteousness. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. He says it, it's going to come upon them in the future, those that, are, that, that perish or those that are in the process of perishing. That is in the future. For those that miss the rapture, all right? It's going to happen after the rapture of the church. But listen to me clearly. But what all of that is based upon then is based upon what's happening. Someone say right now. Right now. All of that will take place. We read our scripture text tonight. All of this takes place. Verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Everybody say because. They received past tense. Not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. What that's telling me is this. Their future looks like XYZ. Because their past looked like ABC. What was taking place, going to take place in the future, was really predicated on something in their past. I present to you tonight that what the son of perdition, call him son of perdition, the wicked one, the antichrist, whatever you want to call him, what the son of perdition will do to the perishing in the future. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 that the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness, you can read of it in verse 7, the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness does already work. What I'm saying is this, what happens to the unbeliever after the rapture of the church, to the perishing, is something that was set in motion impacted and affected by the mystery of iniquity that's already at work in the world right now. Can I tell you tonight that there's something at work right now that's just not trying to influence the unbeliever, but it's trying to influence the believer and unbeliever alike. It's not just something that's trying to put its crosshairs up on somebody that missed the rapture. It's got its crosshairs on those that are headed toward the rapture, but it's trying to make you miss the rapture. I- Hear me today. Someone say amen. Amen. The Bible says in 1st John 4 and verse number 3, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come. And even now, already, is it in the world can I tell you that what will be a manifestation after the rapture of the church is already in spirit form before the church has ever left all of the lying wonders and the signs of that manifestation after the church he's already lying now deceiving now there's no truth found in him now there is a spirit in the world right now today that's trying to encroach upon the people of the living God, believer and unbeliever alike. Someone say glory. Son of perdition, the wicked one, the Antichrist, understand that the man, the Antichrist, that man of sin that's to be revealed, he's being powered by his spirit. And the spirit he's been empowered by or will be empowered by is the spirit that's already at work today. You don't see perhaps it's flesh and blood per se. But it's in institutions. It's in societies, It's in clubs. It's in homes. It's in hierarchy. It's in governments. It's already, it's in... Oh God, I hate to say this, but it's found its quarters in some churches. It's already working in our present world today. Paul says in the future, amen, the perishing ones will believe a lie, amen, but that's majorly predicated upon their past. I'm going to get to it here in a little bit. The Bible says they receive not, past tense, they receive not the love of the truth. That was in their past. The Bible says in verse 12 they believe not, that's past tense, they believe not the truth. I'll go a step further because I know what Romans says. Also, I'll go a step and tell you that based upon what we learn in Scripture, not only did they believe not the truth and receive not the truth, but they exchanged the truth. Before the rapture ever took place, they exchanged a truth for a lie. Someone say say glory. Glory. Boy, I'm glad I didn't try to preach all this in one night. (laughs) Much of what happens then and much of what happens now is because truth. Because truth. Someone say truth. truth. Someone yell it loud. Truth. 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 I'm here to be a proponent tonight for truth. It's not so much, listen to me, when we talk about truth, it's not so much that truth is linked to God It's not so much that truth is an attribute of God. It's not so much any of those things. It's the simple fact that truth is God. Truth, I don't care what the modern day philosophers are saying. I don't care what any university wants to, if you will, underscore. Truth is not, the truth I'm talking about, the truth is not subjective as many would attest today. Truth is not a theory. It's not a concept that's trying to be developed. It's not something that's trying to be molded or even needs to be debated. Truth is absolute when it comes to... Someone say glory. Paul spoke to the church at Rome in Romans 3 and 3. He said, for what if some did not believe? He said, shall their unbelief make the faith of God, or more clearly, the Faithfulness of God without effect. He starts out in the very next verse, verse four, and he says, God forbid. You know what Paul is saying to the church at Rome? The people's belief or the people's unbelief does not change the faithfulness of God. And in the Old Testament, the faithfulness of God is spoken clearly in Deuteronomy. It says that he is a God of truth. And it doesn't matter how much you don't believe that. It will never change the fact of what is. Truth is truth all by itself. It doesn't have to be propped up. It doesn't have to be endorsed. Truth is truth. He's a God of truth. And so if he is to be faithful, then he must remain a God of truth. Whether I believe it, whether anybody else believes it, whether the president believes in it, whether the Pope believes in it, the truth is truth. He doesn't have to take votes in order to qualify if it is true. David furthermore said concerning God that all his works are done in truth. One immutable thing, according to Hebrews, one irreversible thing about God is that it's impossible for God to lie. All right? Impossibility. But when you think of the opponents, when you think of the other side of the scale, our adversary, John said that abode not he abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. And that whenever he speaks a lie, he speaketh of his own because he is a liar and the father of it. And so on one hand, you have a God that cannot change from he cannot lie. And on the other hand, you have someone who is a bona fide liar and all he can do is lie. What so you have confidence then that if God is speaking to you, he's speaking to you truth. If he told you somewhere in the distant past, you're going to make it, you're going to make it. Hallelujah. But if the opposite side of the game are telling you some things, you better check the validity because he can't speak a truth to you. Someone say "Man." so that God of truth has become our salvation in the man Christ Jesus that Jesus Christ which is the way the truth and the life the Bible says that he is the comforter we spoke of it this morning he is the comforter which is the Holy Ghost which is described in the gospel of John as the spirit of truth amen God is so truthful amen and he invested himself in that man it's so truthful that the Bible says that even he said sanctify them with thy word for thy word is truth someone say amen I read from the Old Testament I see passages constantly calling and claiming and saying amen that there were people that walked before the Lord in truth and then there were others that did not we are even in the New Testament not to rejoice in iniquity but the Bible says that we should rejoice in truth someone say amen working tonight I'm sweating at least according to Paul he says there are eternal consequences linked to our response to truth not only that but in the book of Romans he appears to share with us a degeneration that begins when we do not receive the the love of the truth. So there's something, something that happens when truth's trying to love you and you're not allowing truth to love you. <sighs> Come here and love on me, honey. Love on me. Hug on me. Shoo. Hold on, let me wipe the sweat because it's going to start pouring so there's, there's something that happens when you don't receive the love of of truth man there's something that whenever you're bound up in that ooh honey honey cause he's gonna lead you and guide you by that truth but whenever you are not receiving the love of truth It's more than just love that you're not receiving. It's everything else that his nature has. Everything else that his nature has. That you are not receiving. No, Now, I know I started in Thessalonians, but let me go to Romans because this is where all this birthed. You can go look in my New King James Version and, and look at the stuff that I wrote in my margins. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. The apostle Paul speaking to the church at Rome. He's never even he's never even went to that church, but he's writing to them. We'll talk about that just a little bit later. But he's writing to them. He's writing to both a mixed group of Jew and Gentile believers. Again, the epistles are written to the church, folks. The epistles are written to the church. I know I'm like the, I like to read the Old Testament narratives and the stories. I like to preach those. They're easy to preach. You got a story? I know tonight's different. I don't just necessarily have a story. It's a bit, no, no. But, but, but they're important because they're written to the church. And he tells the church at Rome in Romans 1 and verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. All right? All right? He's not talking about future now. He's talking about right now. He said it's revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Watch this now. He says who hold. Everybody say hold. The truth in unrighteousness. When you look up the word hold, and you can read other versions of the Bible. I'll share maybe five. But when you look up the word hold there, it's those, those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. That word there means to suppress. The Amplified Bible says it like this: "Those who repress and hinder truth, and make it inoperative." Boy, I could just preach right now along this, but that's probably next week. Hey, man! It says in the New Living Translation: "Those that push truth away from themselves." The Phillips translation says: "Those who render truth dumb and inoperative." Weston Young says: "Those who hold down the truth." It's not saying that truth doesn't exist. But the truth that would exist in their life, they are keeping at arm's distance. They're keeping suppressed. They're keeping weighted down. Can I tell you, it's not inoperative because they don't have the power to operate. It's not permitted in their life. He said, he said they're suppressing. He said there's people, there's a Greek Gentile that matters not. He said, believer and unbeliever at this moment. He said there's some that are among you that are suppressing truth. And I want to ask somebody tonight, what are you going to do with truth? You're suppressing truth. He goes down to verse number 25 of Romans 1 and he goes on a little further. He's speaking of these that followed this path of unrighteousness, which is basically not right living. And he says, Who have, who changed, everybody say changed, the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. He's talking about the idolatry. They give themselves to the idols of wood and stone. He says, But they changed the truth. The word changed literally, they exchanged the truth. They took truth and they exchanged it for a lie. Some say, some of the translations are they deliberately chose to believe lies or that they forfeited truth and accepted a lie. Nonetheless, there is an exchange that takes place. Then in Romans, I'm telling you, I've read these chapters, I read like Romans 1 through 5 one day and all this stuff is popping out to me and I read Romans 2 and verse number 8 and the Bible says this, but unto them that are contentious, he says, do and do not obey. The truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. It goes on to talk, but he's talking about those that do not obey. Some of the other translations list it like this. Those who refuse to obey the truth. Those who disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. Let me say very quickly. What that reveals is this. Not the inability to obey, but what they obey. Amen. He, in another translation says, those who reject truth and want to do evil others say those who re- who refuse to believe the truth and follow what is wrong and so now we have disobedience and Bishop as I was reading my Bible and I was considering these things and mulling over my mind as I sat on my patio last week uh, something came up in my spirit uh, and the Lord spoke to my heart and he said son he said there is a progression portrayed in here in the scripture because of truth and people's lack of response to truth he says first they will suppress truth and then they they will exchange truth for a lie. And he says, finally, they will not obey truth. You will not obey a truth that you did not first suppress. No, 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 no. God was speaking to me and saying they won't, they won't exchange that truth for a lie. The first step in their journey of that degeneration, they'll suppress what's trying to love them, they'll suppress what's trying to get to them. They'll suppress what's trying to save them. They'll suppress. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. I'm not going to hold you alone. I promise. I promise. That God be true and every man a liar. <laughs> That's the word of God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just kind of seen the door in this. So in the book of Romans, listen to me well. In the book of Romans, Paul tells the church there. This is what he tells Jew and Gentile like. He says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, right? He says to everyone that believes, both the Jew and the Gentile, matters not. But later in the book of Romans, we're gonna look at all this stuff a little bit more intently next week. I'm sorry, just kind of teeing up the ball, I guess, this week for truth. But in Romans 2, verses 8 and 9, he tells us that them that obey not the truth, but obey unrighteousness, he says there's a reservation for them of indignation, wrath tribulation, and anguish. Again, he says, to the Jew and the Gentile, it matters not. It's because the Jews that thought maybe at times that they had a, a foot more in the door than the Gentiles. All right. He says, no. He says, neither is your circumcision anything. He says, we all come by grace through faith to him. Amen. He says, and so it doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile salvation has been brought to every man, but how that man responds to what's been brought to him may also qualify him for wrath and tribulation and anguish. Jew and Gentile, it does not matter. And so it's interesting then, between the statement that says that there is salvation to everyone who believes, both Jew and Gentile, and the statement that says there is indignation and there is wrath and there is tribulation and there is anguish to those who obey unrighteousness, both Jew and Gentile, it matters not, is what I would call the fulcrum. It's that point in which all things pivots and it's called the truth. It's like a seesaw, and there's that little pointy triangle in the middle that has both of these. On one hand, you got salvation is forever, and for the other hand, there's indignation and wrath for those that obey a man unrighteousness. And right in the center, it's all based upon a response to truth. Someone say, Amen. Am I doing okay? That's good because truth. And so, the epistles being written to the churches, they're written, of course, to the believers. Thessalonians written to the believers but Paul was telling them about those that after the rapture of the church that would perish or that were perishing he writes to Romans the believers as well and he writes to this church that is established in Rome and he's warning the believers hey be careful how you respond to truth be careful how you interact with truth he not yet visited rome but he's writing to them and speaking to them as though he is already familiar with their challenges and with their tendencies and yet never have visited them let me tell you something tonight i learned this when i evangelize it is quite common that what one church faces the churches across the united states are facing because though we be many assemblies, we're one church. And that's how, as an evangelist, I could preach about repentance at one church and feel led in the spirit. The next revival I go to, preach the very same message on repentance. Because the church, overall, needed to hear the same thing. They were facing some of the same circumstances collectively as the church. And so when I tell you that he wrote to the Thessalonians and to the Romans and seems to address them both very similarly, amen, it's because there is something woven in the eyes and the minds, rather, of the church at that time. He writes these epistles. He's addressing some very similar topics about people suppressing truth and exchanging truth. And if you will... Trying to trying to disobey truth. And so he's writing to one church and the next about these same things. And as he's writing all this, just bear with me. As he's writing all this, he's never seen the Romans. He's, he's never went to that church and visited. And he's writing them about these things. He's writing all of these things and he's as he's visiting and setting in Corinth. Someone hear me. Another place where a church was established. Oh, someone hear me right now. As he was sitting there in Corinth, uh, amen, he's a man of observation. He knows what's going on, amen, because he tells them later, I hear there be many divisions among you. It's commonly reported that there's fornication among you. I hear that brother has taken brother to law. He says, I hear that there are envies and strives and divisions. You know what Paul's picking up on? If this is happening at the church at Corinth, He said, then there's probably some things happening over in Rome and some things happening over in Thessalonians and Galatia and Colossae. There's probably some of these same things happening here and there. He even told them in Corinth, he said, You are yet carnal. What does he tell? He's telling believers that. You know what he's telling them? You know what he's trying to convey? You all are being sucked in with the deceivableness of unrighteousness. was writing to them and trying to tell them hey I'm familiar with the human condition the human condition is this it's bent on failure let's just be plain it's bent on failure it's bent on growing cold It's bent on becoming complacent to the things of God. Indifferent toward the things of God. I don't care who we are. I don't care how long we've served in the church. We are, it's the human condition that we are bent on those type of things. The tendency even of believers, yes. Of apostolics, yes. Toward those type of things. And so Paul says, I know the condition of humanity. I don't care if you're Jew or Gentile or Greek or whoever you are. You have a tendency to suppress truth. You have a tendency, if you follow that vein, to Exchange it and even go to the degree of disobeying it rather than holding it tight as the treasure that it is. Someone say amen. Honey, we don't have no goody tissues around here. There's nobody that's got a shinier halo right now or more perky wings than anybody else. I'm telling you right now, we all have the tendency to fault, failure, mishap, mistake, blunder. And Paul, having that knowledge, said, I'm going to write to believers at Rome and just tell them something. Don't you start going down the direction of suppressing truth. Because if you start there, you'll end where you will just disobey truth altogether. Right, Someone hear me tonight. We don't, we, we got to somehow keep, amen, that type of mentality from having a foothold in our life. Because if it gains a foothold, it'll become the dictator. If it, it gains a foothold, it will become the master of our life. And so he urges the Romans, he said, you all need to hold fast to the truth. I know that you have a metropolis here, and it's a grand area, and you're a great trade station. People coming and going, a lot of trade, a lot of influence coming in here and going out of here. There's every virtue and vice known to mankind that's happening around the place of Rome and at its feet. He says, but you got to stay true to the truth. Because if you, as Rome, as influential and as big as you are, would start to be swayed and propagating disobedience, that could happen. So it's going to have a great influence upon everybody around them. But Paul's like, I'm convinced that if you could become disobedient, you could just as easily become obedient and God fearing and truth honoring. And be a stronghold in that direction just as easily. It took me 44 minutes to almost get an introduction going. I'm coming to a close. If you'll stand, they will help me. I'm not finished, mind you. I'm just quitting for tonight. Because Truth. Throughout the letter of Romans, there are various reasons that Paul shares with the Christians there. Why he wants to visit them at Rome is in various reasons. But he doesn't give many details, Brother Fred, for his purpose of writing the letter. To begin with reasons why he wanted to come see them. But he doesn't give a many reasons why he wrote the letter to begin with, except for these words. And I want to leave you with them tonight, except for these words in Romans 15, verses 14 and 15. He says, and I myself also am persuaded. Of you, my brethren. That ye also are full of goodness Filled with all knowledge. Able also to admonish one another. And he's given a lot of positive words to these believers. You're full of goodness. You're, you, you guys have a tendency that you help admonish one another. You ever find as a body of Christ doing that for one another? You can do it without being very invasive. Trying to spur someone all along in a positive direction. He said, you admonish one another. But he goes on then in verse 15. He says, you all do this full of goodness. You you admonish one another. Uh, You're filled with all knowledge. But there's that big word right there. And it's long, but it's big in other ways too. Verse 15. He says, nevertheless. He said, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort. In other words, in some ways. About some things as putting you in mind, because of the grace that was given to me. Some various translations read like this. He says, I've written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again. It says, "I, I, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points knowing that you all need this reminder. You all goodness and you admonish one another. He said, but nonetheless, he said, I'm writing because you need the reminder. And not as just Paul writing because he's reminding them, but he was thinking about them. He was being mindful of them. In other words, uh, he was thinking if their journey as newborn babes in Christ, if their journey as Christians are going to be successful concerning truth, He says, then they need to be reminded every once in a while how they need to be reacting to truth how they need to be responding to truth is vital and it's paramount to the success of their journey. Paul says, because I have received grace and I need to remind them and help them keep on their feet of the straight and narrow concerning this truth factor. I need to remind them that truth is not something to deny. Truth is not something to ignore. Truth is not something to be mishandled. It's not something something to be surrendered because he wants them to know from the books that our today and our tomorrow in many ways and fashions are based upon how we respond to truth today now folks next Sunday we're going to preach about the suppressing the exchanging and the disobeying because it is indeed a process just as much as it's a process in John ten ten that the enemy came not but to steal, kill, and destroy, it's a process of suppress, exchange, and disobey. Someone, somewhere, first of all, would not receive the love of truth. Why do you think it is then that whenever you read, is it the church of Ephesus, I think it is, in Revelation chapter number three? He says, Go and do your first works. Return to your first. (laughs) Go to your first love. It tried loving you, but you wasn't reciprocating. You weren't loving it back. Go back there because that's where it first started to degenerate. That's where it first began to fall apart. He wasn't receiving the love of the truth. And whenever the love of the truth is secondary, you'll be willing to exchange it. And when you're willing to exchange it and you just have an appetite of lies that you feed upon and that you accept as truth, you find yourself that you don't even have a a bone or inkling in your body for obeying what truth actually is but you'll obey in righteousness because truth because truth we bow our heads in this place tonight because truth because truth that God who is truth that came down in the man Jesus Christ who's the way and the truth who then sent to us a spirit of truth because truth he said the man of sin will come he will come. He'll come with his lying wonders. He'll come with his signs. He'll come with all the deceivableness of unrighteousness. Them that are perish because they receive not a love somewhere in the past of the truth he said god will send a strong delusion in that day and they will believe a lie and be damned and what it all really goes back to the point of origin somewhere in the past they first somewhere suppressed truth these altars are open tonight I know we have only limited space up here, but these altars are open. If you need to find a place six feet from another brother or sister, Jew and Gentile-like tonight. Paul writing to Romans and Thessalonians, the believers Jew and Gentile-like tonight. He says we all have this this tendency, we have this tendency to grow cold. We have this tendency to grow indifferent. We have this tendency not to take the seriousness of truth as truth is. We, we we don't gauge and measure its benefit truly as it is. We don't we don't see the full picture that that our response to it today is is if you will securing for some future endeavor in the future if we don't change if we don't alter if we don't repent if we don't have a change of mind if we don't alter our ways or correct missteps. He says then then we're setting up a path Pattern here we're setting up a pattern. What you suppress today, you'll exchange tomorrow, and what you ex- exchange today, you'll disobey completely tomorrow. It's a progress, it's a degeneration. He says, We got to stop it at the suppressed point. We need to let truth enwrap us, we need to let truth to love on us, and we need that nature of all and who He is just to be consumed by it because of truth. Because of truth. God, there folks, there are so many winds of doctrine today. There are so many winds that are blowing today. So many winds. We gotta hold on to truth. I guarantee you, if you love truth, truth's gonna love you back. If you love truth and embrace truth, truth's gonna embrace you back. But you gotta receive the love of the truth. Don't suppress it. Don't ignore it. Don't push it off. Truth's trying to love you. Truth's trying to love you. These altars are open right now. As we sing unto the Lord, I want to be mindful of heaven. There's been a spirit of God in this place. There's been a spirit of truth in this place. Again, the forbearance, the long-suffering, the goodness of God. All of that is for leading us to repentance. My God, He's trying to pull. He's loving on us. Truth is loving on us. Hallelujah, let's magnify him, pray to him, search our hearts and our minds because of truth. So me that the road would be easy, and I don't believe it's so not in this far, it's just to leave me. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.